Lord, appreciate that, Christopher. Love to see young people more talented than me, and so that's always good. Praise the Lord for that. Luke chapter 9, if you would, here this evening. Luke chapter 9. I do understand everybody's in 4th of July mentality, and so we'll be as succinct as we can be as you think about explosions and hot dogs and all of that. But hopefully we're praying everybody has a safe one tomorrow and a good one and you enjoy uh, the festivities and the celebrations and all of that. Don't blow yourself up. That would not be good. Luke chapter 9. We'll start reading in verse 57. The Bible says, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And he said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another said, unto, uh, said Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Let's open up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're thankful this evening to be able to gather around your word and thankful even this evening for a country that we can come freely to be able to read your word and worship you and, uh, and do what you've called us to do. Lord, we're thankful for those freedoms, especially uh, this week. Uh, Lord, thankful for those that you call to other fields and that you work in their hearts to be a help and a blessing and to minister to those and in Mexico and all over, Lord. We're just thankful for that. God, we ask for your hand on uh, this time and on this service and uh, that you might speak to us, that we might hear from you and see what you have for us in your word. Lord, we're thankful. We love you. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Of course, this is um, a particular account that is repeated uh, in the Gospel of Matthew very similarly. But uh, you have these three men that come that desire to follow Christ. Uh, of course, we don't know much about them. Uh, it, it, the Bible doesn't go into detail of their background, the level of their sincerity, whether uh, what they're expressing here is hypocrisy or not. We really don't know um, really what's going on in the lives. All we know is what's said, and it, it appears as if each one has the desire to follow Christ. We could doubt that. We don't have much to go on by that, though. <laughs> What we do see, though, is Christ's reaction to each one of them in very similar circumstances. The, the first man says he desires to follow Christ wherever he goes. Uh, he claims commitment to Christ. And yet, Christ's reaction to him is almost to spurn him, is almost to say, uh, are you sure about this? He says, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Christ says, well, listen... Uh, all of the animals have somewhere to sleep, not me. <laughs> so do you know what you're signing up for? Uh, and we don't know his reaction to that. We don't know any of the reaction to the, of any of the men. The second comes and 
and, and is approached by Christ where Christ says, follow me. And the man doesn't say no. He says, sure, but let me go bury my father. Uh, I have to finish this process of burying and grieving uh, my father. And to a, a very strange reaction, if you're not familiar with this passage, it seems very odd that Jesus would say, no, <laughs> let the dead bury their dead. Don't worry about dad. Forget grieving. Forget burying your father. Just go preach the gospel, is what he tells him. And then the third man that says he will follow the Lord. He says, I will follow you, but let me go say goodbye to my family. And Jesus says, I, I mean, if you don't know the passage again, it seems very, very strange the response that Jesus gives to a man that says, I will follow you anywhere, but if I can just go say goodbye to my family. And Jesus says, no man having put forth his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. The insinuation there is if your desire is to go home and first say goodbye to your family, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, if you're with me here tonight, uh, the level of, of commitment, if you will, or the response to these excuses seems extreme, doesn't it? It seems almost, uh, almost out of place, if you will. We will never question Jesus but if you're reading through this at first notion, you're going, this seems a little much. <laughs> Notice that Jesus is not, is not asking them to come to church occasionally. What, what Jesus is talking about here and follow me and, and what he's requesting for them is to leave everything behind and literally walk behind him city to city. That's literally what Jesus is requesting. He's not talking about Hey, would you come to church on Sundays or would you give a tithe? He's talking about dropping your job, your house, your life entirely and following around to endorse and preach the gospel. This is not a small matter. I don't know if you're with me here in that tonight, but if somebody comes in and says, hey, will you follow me? I'm just going to walk that way. And I'll go, well, yeah, I got, I got to get some things in order. No, 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 now. Can I, can I get another shirt? Nope. Now. <laughs> That's extreme. That's no small matter. Uh, uh, not only do they have to leave everything, they'll have to do so and receive persecution and the hatred of the Pharisees. This is not just let's walk over here. This is let's walk over here and just so you know, you probably don't get another job later. <laughs> If this doesn't work out, nobody wants you now. If you go this way, there's a strong possibility of you being murdered. Can I think about it? No. <laughs> My dad died. Can I go to the funeral? No. <laughs> you with me? It, it seems almost a little extreme. And we would never accuse the Bible that way, but we would say, this is odd. And then he downplays from there forward what seem from our perspective as very legitimate excuses. Uh, having somewhere to sleep, grieving a family member, simply saying goodbye uh, to Jesus in this particular capacity is considered totally unacceptable excuses for not following him at that exact moment. 
Now, for you and me, those are very acceptable excuses. If you're saying, hey, uh, we need to go out to, or we're going to church, and you tell me, hey, my dad just died. You know what I'm not telling you? Who cares about your dad? Let the dead bury their dead. Get in church. What are you doing? I'm not telling you that. (laughs) You with me? If I'm saying, hey, let's go on a missions trip, and you say, hey, can I go say goodbye to my family? I go, are you ridiculous? No. I booked the tickets for right this second, and I didn't tell you. We're going now. I'm not doing that. (laughs) From our perspective, these seem, if there's any excuses, these seem like they're pretty good ones. They're not, these are not people saying, no, I had bingo night planned with the, you know what I mean? He's not saying there's a nice TV show on or I'm, I'm tired, I've been fishing all day. No, from our, from our perspective, these are as legitimate excuses as they get. And yet Jesus gives them zero weight. He doesn't even say, hey, well, let's discuss this or do you really need to do this? Or is there another way around this? He simply says, it doesn't matter what you have going on. Follow me or don't, is what he says, essentially. He says, listen, if you want to put the plow into the field and follow me, and you want to turn around, then don't come. You're not fit. This isn't for you. It's come or don't. And from our perspective, we go, man, that's a little extreme. And I want you to think here just for a few moments here this evening, kind of the way our culture views not just Christianity, but the idea of commitment and, and, and what goes on in the church. To us today, it's excessive if you go to church three times a week. You with me here tonight? You guys here are the weirdos, yeah, right? I mean, that's, we're those that are, it's the 4th of July tomorrow. We should be getting some shut eyes so we can really have our barbecue hands out and make sure our senses are sharp so we don't blow ourselves up, you know, I mean... But we're here in church on a Wednesday night after we were already in church all day Sunday. In our culture today, that's, that's a little odd. And I'm sure you experience that as you communicate to people at work and your family. I no doubt every person in here that's here in church on a Wednesday night has heard before, you go to church on Wednesdays too? What? What are you doing? Is it the same? Are you bored? Do you not... It's extreme. The idea that we would go to church not just on on Wednesdays and on Sundays, but that we would give a tithe, that's almost one you don't tell your friends, right? Because they go, you're in a cult, 100%. That's what it is. If they're asking for 10% of your money, you are in a cult. Because that's extreme. We go, that's ridiculous in our culture, right? And just the idea that, that literal, practical aspects of your life will will really change because a book said something about it. To this culture, that's extreme. If you say, hey, I dress a certain way, I act a certain way, I talk a certain way because a book told me so, people go, whoa, you're one of those kinds of people, right? Our culture's good if you just go, I have a belief in God and I drop into a church service every once in a while. They're good with that. But if your life is literally different and changing, to our culture, that's extreme. And the problem with that is, is because we're enveloped by that kind of a culture, we often develop a mindset that agrees with that. We often develop the mindset that says, yeah, you know what? Me going to church on Wednesday, 
that's extreme. I'm the extreme version of Christianity. That there's regular Christianity, there's Christianity light, and then there's me way up here. Because I go to church on Wednesday. I give to missions. Are you kidding? You with me? And we get that mindset that we're in uh, the, the pinnacle of extreme Christianity. Did you know three weeks ago I handed somebody a tract, and it was weird for me, but I did it. Extreme. And I think too often what happens is we develop the mindset based on our culture instead of what the Bible says. Man has always wanted to set the conditions of following Christ. Man has always wanted to say, okay, Jesus, I will follow you, but here's how it'll go. Here's the conditions. Here's what that looks like. And we have a culture that does that. We want to make the rules and dictate what sacrifices need to be made. In fact, oftentimes, and you'll see this spirit oftentimes in churches, and we get it ourselves that uh, those that do less than me are lazy and uncommitted, and those that do more than me are extreme freaks, right? We often have that mindset where there's kind of that sweet spot and we're right in it. And we come to Christ, we so often quickly determine what a true Christian life looks like. And we take into account what is normal in our church, what's typical within uh, Christianity or religiosity in the world today. We look at what spiritual people are doing, uh, or what is preached, and we form an opinion. And yet so often we do that without really objectively consulting God's Word. And what happens is we get this picture of what extreme Christianity is and maybe it doesn't line up with what Jesus thinks is basic Christianity. That's the idea here. Jesus is coming here and he's saying, listen, if you follow me, I've got nowhere to sleep. If you have somebody to bury that's dear to you, this is more important than that. He says, listen, saying goodbye to your loved ones is not the priority right now. And yet we see that and then so often in our lives, our lives are, well, I went to church on a Wednesday. Does it get more extreme than that? Jesus is not out of line with his expectations here. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the point here. Uh, of course we understand and what is pinnacle to the gospel and what everybody would understand as they're here is, is maybe even if we could sum it up in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and we understand that. and uh, We understand that God in his immense love towards us did not think it was too extreme of a sacrifice to lay his life down for ours. We know that. That's why we're here. If you don't know that for a fact, I'll, I would invite you after we're done to come maybe to an altar and I'll pray with you and I can show you what that means. But, but most of us here would know that uh, the whole pinnacle of the gospel and why we're here is that Jesus and God loved us so much that he thought it was a worthy sacrifice to go to the cross so that we could be saved. Even Luke twenty-two forty-two where it's kind of shown in, in this aspect where he says, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. 
And in that garden, it says, as, as great drops of blood poured out, as he, as he wept and, and thought about what was coming and what was to be. And sometimes we forget the part where Jesus was also a 100% man that felt every pain and torment that he went through. But this wasn't, this wasn't minor to him. This wasn't little. It wasn't easy in the sense that it was comfortable for him. This wasn't small, yet he willingly died because the cause was large enough to our God that he would die for you and me. Even as extreme as that was, and, and we don't need to take the time, probably all of us here know the, know the account, but of the whippings and the cat of nine tails and the crown of thorns and the tearing of the beard and the beating and the insulting and the spitting and the being nailed to a cross and, and really the unimaginable torment, torment and, and insult and embarrassment that went into that. And to our God, that was a fitting sacrifice so that you and I could be saved, even though we deserve punishment. And then he says, listen, your job, your purpose, what I ask from you is to take the word of that, the testimony of that, the, the good news of that sacrifice and bring it to those that are dead and destined for an eternity of death. He says, that's what I want for you. He says, I'll save you if you call upon me. And if you do, I would commission you and I would send you that you might then go publish that a gospel to the world. That's what I would ask that you do. Because as much as I loved you that I would die for you, I love each and every one out there as much. And all I would ask is that you go tell them what that means. Because... Listen, Christ was not asking uh, these people here or us here today for some religious observance. He wasn't asking them that they needed to do this to receive forgiveness. He was enlisting them in a war to save the eternities of those that have no hope, if you understand. Maybe we could say it this way. If you knew someone that you loved dearly, more than life itself, would die and spend an eternity in torment today. You knew that. You knew they were not saved. And for some reason, you knew that they would die today. And you knew as well that you could go and, and give them the gospel and that they would be saved, that you had the power to stop that torment from coming and save them. What excuse would make sense from keeping us from doing that? What excuse would fit there? Because that's what Jesus is talking about here. We look at this, and at first glance, it seems very inappropriate that Jesus would say, uh, don't bury your father, don't say goodbye to your family. Uh, it seems very inappropriate, but if we think at this very moment, somebody is on their way to hell, and you and I have the only answer, what excuse makes sense to not tell them? What excuse within the commission of what, God, what Jesus has said the church and the church age is all about. What excuse that keeps us from that fits? Makes sense then. In other words, Jesus said, your dad's dead. I understand the funeral's important to you and, and, and all the grieving process and all that goes into that. But there are people that will die right now 
that will end up in an eternity in hell. What are you going to do by going to a funeral? Can I be honest? If I knew, if I knew somebody that I loved dearly would die today and I could do something about it, you skip the funeral, don't you? If it says, well, yeah, you can't get there and you've got to walk and you might have to camp out in the woods, you go, then I camp. I'm not going to let him die. If he said, yeah, but I didn't tell anybody where I was going. They're going to die. This is what Jesus is dealing with. This is what's happening here. This is the emphasis he's trying to put in the word of God and in these people's lives. Of course, uh, tomorrow is Independence Day, and we celebrate that, and we talk about that, that goes into that. And I just had a quote that goes into that. It's one that we all know we love from Patrick Henry, and he said it this way. There's some others, but I'll skip those. He says this, It is in vain, sir, to extenuate the matter. Gentlemen may cry, peace, peace, but there is no peace. The war is actually begun. Next gale that sweeps from the north will bring to our ears the clash of resounding arms. Our brethren are already in the field. Why stand we here idle? What is it the gentlemen wish? What would they have? Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. That was his mindset. That was his perspective of what would ensue in the Revolutionary War. And of course, uh, my goal is not to invoke some patriotic zeal, and I understand that uh, of course, there's different political opinions and there's issues, and I understand all of that. But we celebrate even tomorrow these men and these women that thought independence was worth their very lives. And we celebrate it. We praise it. That they would give their lives for something that we would consider a worthy cause. That's why we do that. That's what we're excited about tomorrow. But what about the eternal lives and spiritual bondage we pass by every day. Is that as much worthy of a sacrifice as our nation was? In other words, why are we excited and we praise the sacrifice of those that would lay down their lives so we could have a nation of independence and freedom? And why would we say that is more than acceptable and more than appropriate and ought to be praised. Even some would say, man, I wish that could have been me, that I could have given my life for such a worthy cause. And yet we pass by those destined for hell in chains and slavery far worse than any nation could ever put on somebody. And we think it's an inappropriate sacrifice to even suffer embarrassment for having talked to them. That we think it's, it's extreme if we would ask anybody to maybe come to church so that the gospel might be published and people might hear. We would say, what an extreme thing. In other words, the point that I'm getting at is, is that maybe it's possible, and I'm with you, I'm with everybody here in this, maybe it's possible that our version of extreme Christianity in 21st century America is not Jesus' version of extreme Christianity. 
maybe it's possible that what we've come to accept as normal sacrifice for the cause of Christ is way below par for what Jesus expects those that should be fit for the kingdom of God. Paul said it this way in Acts 20, 24. He says, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God, is what he said. Jesus said, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And he said this because the cause is greater than our comforts. It's greater than our career goals. It's greater than our hobbies. It's greater than our very lives. What this is about and what we're here for and what the church exists here today is because there's a world that needs to hear that somebody went to a cross that they might be saved. Because if they don't hear, it's hell. If you believe the Bible at all, you cannot escape that reality. And that's why any of this happens. That's why we're here tonight. That's why we have this building. Uh, that's why we go out and spread tracts. And that's why we preach the gospel. And that's why we disciple people and teach them so that they might be equipped to be able to spread that message. That's what it's all about. And Jesus says that in order to accomplish that, there is no sacrifice too much. There's nothing too extreme for that. And somewhere in history, Christianity became something you just throw in in your free time. In the first century, Christians were murdered and tortured, homeless and jobless, just so that somebody might hear of a Savior that, they, that could change their eternity. And we could talk about those that were thrown into the uh, uh, battles with lions and murdered for sport and tortured and they had no church buildings and they met underground and they're committed and they're willing to die just so that somebody might hear, even though they know few will accept. And then in 21st century, insinuating going to church three times a week is not extreme is like, whoa. And then in the 21st century, if you say, hey, I think a believer ought to at some point in their life give somebody the gospel. And we go, whoa, we can't rush that. I mean, that's embarrassing. That's going to hurt their life. Come on. I don't know about you, and I'm just talking about me here tonight, but that doesn't sit well with what Jesus talks about. It doesn't feel like maybe I'm on the same page if that's my mindset of extreme Christianity. And he says this, No man having put forth his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. The idea here is that God did not die and the commission that he gave was not so that we could just go to church a couple times a week. That's not the purpose here. That's not the end result. That's not, that's not what this is all about. It's so that we could fulfill some religious observance, so that we could just do all the things we want to do in our life, and a few times a week we'll go to church and we'll put a few dollars in the offering plate and we'll subscribe to Christianity so that God's pleased with our lives and He buys off on all the things that we want to do. That's not Christianity as Jesus sees it. 
Jesus says, hey, listen, Christianity is something to where if you want to follow me and subscribe to what I have and what I'm about, it means, yeah, it may mean you lose your family. It may mean your, your love for me is something that makes your uh, love for your family pale in comparison. It may mean you die and are crucified like me. He says, but the cost is worth that. And then he says this, and, and we don't have time to go in this, I need to quit, but, but he says God has so much more than even that. He says the sacrifice is not just even a sacrifice, because he says no man that has sacrificed houses or lands or anything will not receive much more in the world to come. He says, listen, even if you do sacrifice, you don't lose. You don't miss anything. And then he says, I've got to stop it. But he says this, nobody that has ever had that mindset of sacrifice for the Lord that would give their lives in service of him, nobody's ever regretted it. He would say this, you that are poor and weary, that are suffering, he said, would you come unto me and I will give you rest? And that almost a contradictory statement to what he's saying here. But can I say it's true that you come and Jesus says, I require everything from you. And yet the result is peace and joy and rest. Isn't that wonderful? And God would say, there's so much more in this life and what I have for you than, than maybe what we've considered normal Christianity. Maybe God's got something more than that for you. And maybe as so many Christians feel unsettled and without peace and without joy in their walks and feel like something's missing, maybe it's because we've subscribed to a version of Christianity that is nowhere near as extreme as Jesus makes it out to be. In other words, and I'll quit here, maybe God has more for us than what we've bought into. No man, having put forth his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Stand to our feet and bow our heads. Heavenly